What's up, fellow freaks? I'm Zach, your host of the Ox Podcast, bringing you a daily dose of uncensored wisdom, 10 minutes or less, no bullshit, no topic off limits. If any episode of the Ox has made your life better in some small way, please take a few seconds to send this podcast to someone else. The best way to spread love is to share what you love. Now, without further ado, let's dive in. The experience that changed J.K. Rowling forever. As every one of you knows, J.K. Rowling is the author of the Harry Potter series, and it's one of the most widely read series on the planet ever. And I was listening to a Harvard commencement speech that J.K. Rowling gave back in 2008 called The Fringe Benefits of Failure and the importance of imagination. And she spoke about an experience that transformed the way that she wrote and and transformed the way that she put work out into the world in general and and moved about the world that I thought was super powerful. And and it's something that I've never experienced. And so she, she says that this is, quote, the greatest, one of the greatest formative experiences of her life. And, And this was all before Harry Potter. So without further ado, let's get into it. So J.K. Rowling says, quote, one of the greatest formative experiences of my life preceded Harry Potter, though it informed much of what I subsequently wrote in these books. This revelation came in the form of one of my earliest day jobs. Though I was sloping off to write stories during my lunch hours, I paid the rent in my early 20s by working at an African research department at Amnesty International's headquarters in London. There, in my little office, I read hastily scribbled letters smuggled out of totalitarian regimes by men and women who were risking imprisonment to inform the outside world of what was happening to them. I saw photographs of one of I saw photographs of those who had disappeared without trace, sent to amnesty by their desperate families and friends. I read the testimony of torture victims and saw pictures of their injuries. I opened handwritten eyewitness accounts of summary trials and executions, of kidnappings and rapes. Many of my coworkers were ex-political prisoners, people who had been displaced by their homes or fled into exile because they had the temerity to speak against their governments. Visitors to our offices included those who had come to give information or try and find out what had happened to those they had left behind. I shall never forget the African torture victim, a young man no older than I was at the time, who had become mentally ill after all he had endured in his homeland. He trembled uncontrollably as he spoke into a video camera about the brutality inflicted upon him. He was a foot taller than I was and seemed as fragile as a child. I was given the job of escorting him back to the underground station afterwards, and this man, whose life had been shattered by cruelty, took my hand with exquisite courtesy and wished me future happiness. And as long as I live, I shall remember walking along an empty corridor and suddenly hearing, from behind a closed door, a scream of pain and horror, such as I have never heard since." The door opened and the researcher poked out her head and told me to run and make a hot drink for the young man sitting with her. 
She had just had to give him the news that in retaliation for his outspokenness against his country's regime, his mother had been seized and executed. Every day of my working week in my early 20s, I was reminded how incredibly fortunate I was to live in a country with democratically elected government where legal representation and a public trial were the rights of everyone. Every day I saw more evidence about the evils humankind will inflict on their fellow humans to gain or maintain power. I began to have nightmares, literal nightmares, about some of the things I saw, heard, and read. And yet I also learned more about human goodness at Amnesty International than I had never, that I had ever learned before. Amnesty mobilizes thousands of people who have never been tortured or imprisoned for their beliefs to act on behalf of those who have. The power of human empathy leading to collective action saves lives and frees prisoners. Ordinary people whose personal well-being and security are assured join together in huge numbers to save people they do not know and will never meet. My small participation in that process was one of the most humbling and inspiring experiences of my life. Unlike any creature on this planet, humans can learn and understand without having experienced. They can think themselves into other people's places. When I was reading this speech by J.K. Rowling, especially this part about her witnessing the loud scream of the man who just found out his mother was executed, I felt guilty because I realized how often I take for granted living in the greatest country in the world for free speech, which is the United States of America. I've never been through anything remotely like what the man she describes has been through. I've never worked at Amnesty International. And so thank you for those who are working in on solving problems and mobilizing people for Amnesty and for J.K. Rowling for sharing her experience. I can talk about what this means to me as a content creator and as a podcaster. I don't think about getting killed ever for content that I put out there. And I don't think about how often that is a privilege that dozens of countries, dozens of uh, millions of people around the world in dozens of countries do not have. They have to think about what it means for their own lives and their, their partners' lives and their kids' lives before they speak out or run their mouths against the government or leaders or regimes. Because you might get killed. Someone might show up at your door, put a gun in your mouth, and, and that might be it. Also, a lot of these people don't have social media to even do that. So that's, you know, this was, it sounds like it was before social media, but even today there are, you know, th there are countries where people are banned from posting on social media and talking about the experience and the narrative is controlled by that regime. So people don't even have the option. And so I need to do a better job of reminding myself more how much of a privilege and, and how, how, how much of a freedom it is to be in the United States of America and be able to say what's on my mind and disagree with people and, you know, run my mouth against people in government or, or leaders or elected officials, whoever. And, you know, I, I don't really have a political focus on the podcast, but 
it, it is a freedom that I am afforded. I, I'm not speaking in fear of my life ever. I, I don't fear for my life on a regular basis. And so I need to do a better job of being more grateful for that and recognizing that there, like I said, millions, possibly billions of people on the planet who don't have that same freedom. And to do what I can as a podcaster to take advantage of that freedom and speak for the people that aren't able to speak for themselves and to protect against people that want to tear down free speech. There's a lot of talk. There has been a lot of talk the past few years with the the past decade, really, with the rise of, of Facebook, Twitter, platforms uh, like Google that are you know, controlling the, the narratives have algorithms that control people see people being censored for left views or right views. And people are quick to say, this person shouldn't be allowed to speak, or this person shouldn't have a platform or this, you know, we need to censor this person off off Twitter or Facebook completely, because they make me uncomfortable, or I don't disagree, or I don't agree with what they're saying. And I don't think most of those people realize what that actually means, what precedent that sets, because the the United States is far from a totalitarian regime. But things like that start with small acts of censorship where all of a sudden someone, people start getting kicked off of Facebook. People start getting kicked off of Twitter. All of a sudden, people are afraid to speak on certain things because they see other people getting pick, kicked off. So it's this reactionary cycle that builds a bigger and bigger and bigger gap in free speech. And there are problems that need to be solved with social media and censorship. Social media is a, a beast that we are just now starting to realize how dangerous and also how engaging and positive it, this could be if we handle it the right way. And I don't know the answer to that. It's a, a problem with thousands of layers that are going to be tackled by people that are much smarter than me but i i do think it's it's okay and, and we should acknowledge it's okay it, it's better to acknowledge that we live in the best country in the world for free speech and also things need to get better so i sometimes people you know they shit on the united states too much and say like fuck this country like this country sucks whatever blah 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 because they want people to make changes and i i think that's actually a bad way to go about it you're you're diminishing the effect that you could have, you can acknowledge that the United States is, is a great country and a, a country that is uh, the best country in the world for free speech. And also things need to get better with censorship, uh, with social media, hate speech, uh, whatever it is. And so overall, I'd say, I'd say the main takeaway and, and main challenge for myself and, and for listeners, for you is to just remind yourself how great it is to live in a country like the United States. And if you're listening to this outside the United States, which I know many of you are, uh, I hope that you are in a place where you're 
free to speak your mind and you can put content out in the world without having to worry about risking your life. And if you can't do that, I am grateful now that I can at least understand a little bit better from what JK Rowling has said about that struggle. I in no way know what it's like to endure that. I at least know from JK Rowling's words and from some other podcasts and and videos that I've watched and people I've spoken to that the United States is not a worldwide bubble. It is what happens in the United States happens in the United States and the situation is different all across the globe. So thank you for listening. Thank you, JK Rowling. And I will talk to you guys next time.